Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and this is going to be super fun because today I'm talking with four different people, and we're going to hop around and check out their styles, and we're going to get some pretty interesting tips on a few projects that they're doing. So first of all, I am... It's like I go to the trade show and I see people's booths, and sometimes I go back a couple times. I never actually get to meet them in person. So that's what happened when I tried to meet Corey Turner at her booth at the trade show because I'd heard about her shop, Olive and Grace, and her work. And I thought, you know, it was really neat. She does a lot of great embroidery stuff. So we were able to connect afterwards by the magic of the Internet. Hmm. And so I have Corey here. How are you? Hi, Pat. How are you? I am great. I'm so I'm so glad the internet exists. So that Guys, I could just, isn't that the truth? I know it's changed everything. Just uh, it's an amazing I, I'm, tool. And I'm pretty I'm pretty um, I'm blushing actually that you actually call uh, that that I'm on your show. So it's pretty exciting. <laughs> you know, tell me a little bit about. Um, how you started to sew because it's you you started when you were very little right well yeah actually my great-grandmother um janet she she says that i was like three but i was probably nine or ten um and she actually she and my grandmother all of um both i both i sewed with them as a child and so when i was little I actually um, had some orthopedic problems with my legs and um, spent a lot of time with my mom and my grandmother sewing, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I, so that, uh, really, that really got your interest then, so you were totally, able to, yeah. Totally, and probably and looking you, back at that, I never would have imagined I would be uh, designing patterns or opening a quilt shop, you know? Isn't it funny how, I mean, life just goes in crazy places because you did other things before you opened your store. Yeah, I actually um, went away to college at Savannah College of Art and Design, and um, my professional practice is interior design, and I um, have lived in Columbus, Ohio, and designed Victoria's Secret stores, and I lived in Washington, D.C., and um, we did corporate interiors for university and um k through 12 buildings so i've kind of have kind of done it all i guess a little bit of everything how's that sound yeah you were in my neck of the woods when you were in dc uh very but that's that's not cute stuff though the no uh... no, not at all so (laughs) i actually i actually so i had 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 some surgery i moved to dc and um ended up staying there for only a year because I knew the corporate ladder wasn't really for me and I called home and said hey I'd really like to um, use the or the uh, schoolhouse on my mom and dad's property and so my mom and dad were really encouraging my dad I think thought I was a little crazy when I called home and said hey can I open a quilt shop in the in in the schoolhouse but it's been seven years and um, and it's been pretty successful and it's only getting better well, you know what happened, how I found out, is um, that my friends, I have a lot of friends who travel, and these are yeah. my local friends, and they were in your shop. Really? Who was it? Um, this is Sue Graham. She um, Okay. And I'm not sure how she ended up there. Tell me where your shop is. 
It's in um, northeast Ohio in a little town called Fowler, Ohio, which is about an hour um, in between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Yeah, I so think closer to the Youngstown vi- area. Yeah, I think she may have been visiting family somewhere out there, but she brought okay. me back your business card is what she oh, did. Oh, cool. She, Very yeah, cool. Like, this, this is such a cute shop. She said you should, you know, try to – you know, to check it out. So, um, one of, you know, she does a lot of embroidery and you like a lot of embroidery. So I think that, yeah, that's where she bet that big connection. How did you name it? Olive and grace. Grace. What is that? What is that from? It's my two grandmothers. Like I said, um, my grandma, Janet, whose middle name is grace and she's my great grandmother and she's 89 and she is still sewing. I actually was there today. And, um, Olive is my dad's mom, who I went to craft shows uh, when I was little. I guess I had an entrepreneurial spirit when I was little as well. And then the studio thing is not really, um, I tell people, it's not really the place where the actual shop or where I design it is actually where I met um, three of my best friends in college and then later in professional practice. So it's kind of an, it's kind of like a twist on words, I guess you could say. I just love that. I love when they're, you know, to hear, I like hearing the story behind it. I think that that's always makes it more personable, don't you think? Totally. And I think I've, my biggest thing is people ask me, you know, what makes you unique? And I really, um, I'm a heart kind of girl. So Mm -hmm. I try to, um, I try to, you know, think about the people that I've loved and lost and, um, and just, you know, enjoy what I'm doing and enjoy the designing that I'm doing and, and think about the people who I love and who support me. That makes sense. <laughs> it does make sense. It does make sense because it's art. You know, you're putting not totally. only... Your, and you're putting your, yourself out on a, on a yeah. huge plate, right? I'm right. sure you know how that feels, too. Yes, it's just, yeah. you know, that's what can, that was what makes people connect to you. You know, they feel yeah. a kindred spirit. Um totally. Totally. Your work, your work and I is hope that's so what people, lovely. Oh, thank you. And I hope that's what people, when they see uh, my embroidery and they see the things that I've done, that they, that they know um, that it does come from, come from love, you know? I know. I know. I totally know. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your color palette because that's very intriguing to me. I just, it's very soft, um, uh, and but it has pops of color. Color. Yeah, you know, it's. I actually, this is one of my things that I actually have a thing, um, a hard time because sometimes I want to be really vibrant and bright, and other times I want to be soft and gentle. I guess, and that's what a lot of people say. Um, Corey, your, you know, your color palette's really gentle and really relaxing. So, I guess that's a good thing. Um, you know, from nature, I, I guess I love flowers and. Um, you know, we have a beautiful piece of property here that the shop is on, and I'm inspired by that and places that I've been and um, all that good stuff. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, well, it's hard. It's hard about, to. I was going to say, let's ahead. talk about one of your embroideries that really sure. I think uh, was catching a lot of people's eyes. It's what I put. Um, it's the flower garden. Yeah. Um, but they're little hexagons with yeah, little paper piece hexagons yeah. with some wool and some hand embroidery. Mm-hmm. So I, are uh, each one different? 
they are. So it's all it's pretty much the same pattern that's flipped. It's it's mirrored each one, and it's uh, English paper piecing. So I I did those with shirtings and some of the modas that have like um, textures and little script prints and that kind of stuff that I absolutely love. And then I just kind of kept adding, um, layering, and those tiny little leaves. I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I um, the tiny little leaves I used wool, and because I think it's a little more forgiving when you do um, applique, and then the the um, the bigger leaves I I do the cheater method of applique, uh, Pat, when I slit the backs of the leaves and flip them inside out so that my my shape is perfect because when you're a perfectionist you don't you know a needle turning sometimes isn't as forgiving as that so that's what I do and then I love <laughs> hanging out with perfectionists because you guys have the best techniques you're always well, the ones who are like okay I gotta make this perfect let me perfect. figure this out um, gonna have to be a magician right now when you're yeah. doing that particular one where you're you're sewing the the top fabric or the leaf fabric to it. What is the bottom fabric that you're sewing it to? You well, it? I actually I use the same fabric. I kind of a it's okay. a bit of a waste of fabric, um, mm-hmm. but I use the same fabric so that when I flip it inside out, the thickness you can see the same fabric. Because I mean, if you were using a lighter color, you could use just plain old muslin. Mm-hmm. But if you're using like the you know a dark green per se, and you want those two fabrics to match. Mm-hmm. Then, because you might I, see them on the edge if they're exactly, not. exactly, and so then it just kind of gives it a texture. It's kind of cool because everybody, everybody touches that quilt, and they say your fabric is so thick. And then when you explain to them that technique, it, um, it, it you know, the it, it, the light bulb goes off, and then they think that's awesome um, because then all you have to do is buttonhole stitch around it or use whatever, whatever, whatever stitch you really love. So do you have an embroidery tip for me? We have about two minutes. What do you, what do you I personally, the smaller the hoop, the better. I have small hands, so I actually love um, using like a four-inch hoop. That way I can get to my stitches and I can move that, move my hoop around a lot more. And it makes a little more, you know, a little more wrinkles. But if you just iron it out every once in a while, it's perfect. That's what um, I... Yeah. So how do you make the the um, hoop really tight, or is it? I do. Um, I I like it tight and taunt. But you know, other people like my mom. Um, she likes hers a little loose. So it just depends on what what's a personal preference. Okay. So you have um, very graciously put out uh, an adorable little free pattern on your on your website. Yeah. Uh, so people can try out your your stitchery. Um, yeah. Can you describe it? Sure, it's um, called Stafford Teacups Coasters, and it's um, you can make five little coasters out of scraps, or you could use a charm pack, and um, it's a cute little teacup that I sketched out last summer, and they can embroider it however they want to, and actually you can um, do the inside-out applique method with the little teacup so that your teacup sits perfectly on your coaster. And they're really cute because they're tiny, Thank you. right? They are tiny. They're just like they're four and a half by four and a half, and it'd be a great little Christmas gift or a birthday gift for a good friend or if you're throwing a tea party, um, you could make those for a favor. 
Well, and they're at they're actually on your class page, so people they can are go. they are. Yeah. I need to work on that. I need to work on a, a free a free area for for my website. But I'm sure you know, uh, life gets in the way sometimes. Oh, hey, people will find it. It doesn't matter. I hope so. I hope so. Point them in the right direction. That's Um, right. Yeah. (laughs) com. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Corey, this has been so much fun. Aw, thanks, Pat. I really appreciate it. I'm totally honored that you you reached out, and hopefully at the next quilt market we'll actually get to meet in person. Absolutely. Are you going to be at Fall fall Market? (gasps) I'm not going to be at Fall Market, but uh, you'll see me in St. Louis. Okay, I will see you there. Okay, great, Pat. Thanks. Have a good one. Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg, Executive Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases and creating smiles. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or many more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You'll create just as many smiles. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com backslash million pillowcases. Quilt along with us in 2016. Join our third annual quilt along by making a quilt, a one-block pillow, or all four projects featuring plus-sign designs. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltalong for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and I am really anxious and excited to talk to Kimberly Bourne of Main Street Designs, Main Street Market Designs. She does, uh, um, first, the, you know, that caught my eye was her series of quilts called Eclipse, but she does um, other amazing projects, and I'm just really uh, curious what makes her tick and what, um, you know, goes on over there at Main Street Market. So, Kimberly, thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, so first I have to tell you that I was just, you know, we wrote back and forth to to what we're going to talk mm-hmm. about. And one thing that, that you told me was, you know, you'd been sewing as a child and that you had actually sewn clothing for your hamster. I'm just... <laughs> Oh, I'm because I had a hamster and I didn't think to sew clothing for her. What was wrong with me? <laughs> well, I don't know what was wrong with you, but I definitely think there was something wrong with me. Who sewed for their hamster? I was an odd child. 
<laughs> well, you know, if I had thought of it, I would have been totally there. That would have been it. You know, I, <laughs> I didn't. I would not have seen any problem doing that. I. <laughs> Well, I love doing it. I don't know how the hamsters felt about it, but it was fun. Oh, goodness. This, I've just been dying ever since I read that. I have to tell my mother about this one because she, she would be like, okay, yeah, why didn't you think of that? So, you know, you did clothing for, and you did other crafty things as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. what, where did that take you then? Did you, did you do this always as a hobby or as a business then? So I loved designing, and I designed anything I could, even little origami trinkets and doll clothes, and of course hamster clothing. <laughs> and um, and it's then very later on, I started. Yes, yes. <laughs> later on, I started uh, drawing out floor plans and just about anything I could design. Um, then in college, I was a ballroom dancer, and I even started taking or. Drawing out my ballroom dance gowns um, to have them sewn. I didn't know how to do it at the time, but um, I was determined to have my own design sewn. Um, and then I, in college, I worked at a library and they had me design posters for. And so, just design in general has always been a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in college, I finally took a sewing class. And my mother saw that I loved it so much, and she, for my birthday, got me a Bernina sewing machine. It was a great, yeah, it was a great starting sewing machine. Um, I am a little spoiled on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then throughout college, of course, classes got harder as I progressed through my degree, and I didn't have as much time. So I put my sewing machine in the closet, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of us do that. You know, we we may have make a little bit here, a little bit there, but you know, I think it's harder in that college into your first job kind of mode to keep keep hobbies yeah. going. So when when did you think about making a quilt? Well, a few years after I graduated, I got married. I was expecting my first child, and my mother wanted to do a block of the month that one of our old neighbors was teaching. And she wanted to see me use this machine that she had bought it since it wasn't just a cheap one. <laughs> and so she kind of dragged me along um, and and she enjoyed it. It was fun for her, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was, it just, everything came together. My love of design, I could start seeing things happening with it. And I thought, oh, this is so great. And I love to use my hands to do things. So um, I had a blast making that quilt and learning all the different techniques. So, you know, I think that there are so many people that make their first quilt for for their own baby, for uh, another, you know, somebody else's baby. Mm-hmm. Babies just generate <laughs> quilt making. It's like yes. It's like the magic the magic <laughs> dust that gets sprinkled on people. Uh so no, true. We, yeah, it's just incredible. So when when you started designing your own work, you have a variety of uh, skill sets in your pattern. Mm-hmm. You, you have things that are easier, and then you have these incredible, amazing pieces that are um, thank you don't look so easy because uh, you know, you've got a whole <laughs> level. How did you get started with designing? So. 
after I had my baby, so I was taking the block the month while I was expecting him, um, but after I had him, he had a ton of red hair, and everyone wanted to touch it, and I just <laughs> got fed up with it, and I thought, I need a cover for his car seat, and they oh, were kind no. of becoming... They were becoming all the rage <laughs> at that yeah. time, and yeah. I thought, well, okay, I like that, but there were a few things I didn't love, and so I kind of sat down, and I drafted out my own, of course, because that's mm-hmm. what I love to do is design, and I thought, I'm going to make it a quilt, and that way it would hang down a little heavier and not get blown up in the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I drafted it so it wouldn't drag on the ground, and that you could tie it onto the handle and still have access to the handle, and even had little slits in the side so you could um, attach a car seat toy to it mm-hmm. so that you could still be entertained in there. And mm-hmm. uh, I, it was such a fun thing, and people started asking me all over the place where I came up with it or where I got the pattern. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, well, I, I designed it. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so then they started asking me to write the pattern. Ah. And so I thought, okay, well, I guess I could make a little extra money. That would be nice. I just had a baby, and they're expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I drafted it up, and um, and I a lot of time to make sure it was perfect and, you know, it still had some room to grow, but uh, I was surprised at how well it was received at my local quilt shops, mm-hmm. that they were so warm and welcoming to the industry, and I thought, oh, I like this. Maybe I should do more. Maybe and you should do more. I got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is great. It fed my ego, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I got online, and started researching pattern designers and saw that a lot of them uh, had their own fabric line. I thought, oh, well, I guess if I'm going to do this, I need to have my own fabric line. <laughs> well, well, of course you do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I got together with a friend who did some illustrations. I, I designed, but I'm not as great at illustrations. But between the two of us, we drafted up a darling little boy uh, fabric line and Intertex ended up picking it up, which was great. Uh, and that was a few years ago. And so I designed a bunch of juvenile crib quilts for that line. Um, but since then, I've done, I just looked today and I have over 40 designs in my folder. Wow. Um, That's a lot. All ranging. That's great. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so we're going to fast forward here because I want to okay. make sure that we we talk about your eclipse quilts. First, des- describe okay. what what they are. How many do you have? Two or three? <laughs> so I have two. One that is the pattern is out and doing mm-hmm. well, and then the second one uh, was announced at Quilt Market in May, and so and then the third one is coming out in. February to May-ish of 2017. Mm. And they are a color wheel of sorts, but mm-hmm. kind of modernized. Mm-hmm. And they uh, include paper piecing and uh, some curved piecing elements, which are great. Uh, but the aesthetic is that it's a color wheel, and uh, I just kind of have branched from there, and they get more complicated. Mm-hmm. 
the first you and you're numbering them so there's eclipse yes um you know there's the original eclipse and then i it showed up a picture was taken by andover who was the fabric manufacturer that i used Mm-hmm. And they took a picture on Times Square. <laughs> it was amazing oh, to see one of my wow. quilts on Times Square. <laughs> and so with all the feedback that people are posting, Daryl, who is the brand manager, the marketing person there, she mm-hmm. challenged me to do Eclipse 2.0. <laughs> and I, thought, I see. Uh, this was kind of a one-hit wonder. I don't know if I yeah. can do any more. <laughs> wow. Um, they are, but, they're yeah. they're. They're round image wise. They're round, but when mm-hmm. uh, but you set them in a, in a square, so people aren't having a round yes. quilt when they're done. Yes. So yeah, it's a color wheel set in a square, and it has different elements. The first one's more of a dahlia style quilt, and the second one incorporates some kind of a southwest feel to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third one, I haven't shown anyone, but I'll tell you. It's going to be a block of the month, and I am so excited. It's all drafted up, and it's stunning, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. It focuses still color will, but it's very much compass star oriented. Ah, okay. So we have every, this show always flies really fast, Kimberly. So I know. Like about, <laughs> I know about a minute. Give me a curved piece. Your best curved piecing tip. Well, I use um, a presser foot with a quarter-inch edge on it, and with that, I am able to do it really fast and without pinning, and they're more accurate than pinning. Um, And then I also use the Circle Savvy Ruler by Creative Bridge to cut out all of my curves. I can do curves from, oh, two and a half inches to 17 inches, I think. (laughs) And it's great. It makes it so fast and I love teaching that it's a fun course to teach as well so people can find out um you know what's going on in the land of Kimberly uh <laughs> at uh, mainstreetmarketdesigns.com and you have you also write yes. on your website so you have uh, a blog with um some nice tutorials you have one today called flight path there's an adorable mm-hmm. little gentleman sitting on it. Uh, yes. <laughs> he finally convinced me that he got to keep one of mommy's quilts. So I made that up for him. <laughs> there you go. Well, Kimberly, this has been so much fun. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. We'll be right back after the break. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg. Join me for a fun video series called Show Me How, brought to you by Baby Luck. Each month, I'll show you how to complete a simple project from start to finish. Learn new techniques, see tips, and sew a great project with me. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash videos to watch. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, 
and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I have been following the Jedi Craft Girl for a long time. And Amanda Niederhauser is the designer who uh, writes over there. She tells me that not only does she like, you know, Jedi things, that she also apparently likes cats a lot. Uh, So this is always a good thing. We like people who like animals. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for joining me. I am so excited. Hi, I'm so excited, too. I get to be talking to the famous Pat Sloan. I've followed you all my life. (laughs) (laughs) You are too sweet. You are too sweet. I I love your about page. It just is the best and is so happy. Um, And that's where you learn everything, including the Jedi name, right? That's like (laughs) Yes. Yes. We love Star Wars at our house. My kids are super obsessed with Star Wars and... It's just kind of part of our family bonding, and so it's a big part of our life, which is kind of funny. (laughs) I know. I think it's fun. I think it's great to have that that sort of theme. Everybody has to have a family theme, you know. It's a good thing. Um, You did did say that your first venture into making a quilt um, didn't quite go as you had hoped. No. Um, So I've grown up sewing. My mom sewed all of our clothes, so I sewn before. We used to sew shorts in junior high. Anyway, we'd, we'd done a lot of sewing growing up, but my first experience with actual piecing and cutting and quilting happened just just after I was newly married, so I was about 20 years old. I was really young, and I was at this church activity, and we were making a little, kind of a small wall hanging. We had a little theme print in the middle with some sashing strips around, mm-hmm. kind of like a log cabin. So mm-hmm. we were cutting, we were sewing, and this is my first time with quarter-inch seams or anything like this. And I just remember the lady getting up and talking to the group as she'd been walking around, and she said, boy, everyone's quarter-inch seams are so perfect and straight. And I looked down at my project, and I was like, <laughs> Oh my goodness, she's not talking about me. And I was just so embarrassed because my theme was wavy. You know, I'm trying to figure out what a quarter inch is. And it's, you know, and so I just went home thinking, what? I don't even have a clue. So after that, we moved to Virginia because it was so mortifying. No. Yeah, we ended ended up moving shortly after that. And I had a friend who had just started quilting. And I was like, oh my goodness, I want in on this. Whatever you're making, I want to be doing that. And so from there, just your love of fabric takes over, and that's kind of why I quilt, because I love fabric. So yeah, anyway, yeah. so that's that's how it started. I know. I I, th- I tell people that's why I quilt, so I can own fabric. You know, I exactly. have to justify I have all of this, I guess, you know, at least to myself a little bit. It's like, okay, well, let's make some stuff. Um, you know, one of the things I like, Amanda, that, you know, I have followed you for a long time. And what, one of the things you do is you are such an amazing 
cheerleader um, is for you know did you you love you love what you do and you love to help people and encourage them to make and you're always sharing wonderful projects and participating in things. Um, so I thought it would be really nice for us to just go back and forth a little bit about um, about how to encourage people because you do it so well. You have, in your writing, you have a few things you try to, to encourage, right? I do, and that's so nice of you to, to notice and to say. Thank you. <laughs> um, I kind of have three, three little points that I try to keep in mind for myself. And we can just chat about them. The first one mm-hmm. is to be authentic. And I know you're authentic because you're you just created this wonderful person. And I try to be true to who I am, not try to be like anyone else out there. Just do my own thing. I'll, you know, maybe my patterns aren't the greatest, but it's something that I made and it's me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you'll be on someone's Instagram feed and you know, all of their feet is so beautiful, and it's all the same color palette, and it's so pretty to look at. And then mm-hmm. I just, that's just not me, because I'll have a cat post, and I'll have a Captain America quilt, I'll have a <laughs> cotton and steel quilt, I'll have something with Star Wars, and more cats. And that's okay, because that is totally me. And mm-hmm. I'm not a pretty picture. <laughs> Well, I, and I think that just being yourself is what it, it's all about because it should be fun. I mean, even for those right. of us in, in the business side of it, it still should be fun because otherwise right. we could just go work in an office and do this as a hobby. You know, this right. could be we, – we were all right at that place before. So Yes, yes. Um, and then the, the next thing that kind of goes along with being authentic is to not compare. And I think that's such a big thing with social media. Because when we're constantly looking at Facebook or Instagram, your first inclination is to totally throw yourself under the bus and just be like, oh, my goodness, I am so not good. You know, you like sometimes I'll finish sewing a quilt and then, you know, pretty happy with what I made. And then you get on Instagram and you're like, oh, my goodness, she's better. That's better. That's amazing. And then suddenly I'm not that happy with, with what I made. And that's so sad. Mm-hmm. So over over this kind of evolution of social media, I've been really, um, really trying to focus on, you know, where our worth comes from. And it's not from being better or having something greater or more interesting. It's just kind of, it's who we are and we're just sharing. So I think, yeah. how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, no, it's, it's. Totally, you you totally just have to um, say that the other person's work is amazing and beautiful, and so is my own. You know that right. yeah. I can be joyful and glad to for the pretty pictures and being able to see what they do. But like you, I mean, I don't just stick necessarily to one color palette, and I, uh, you know, I have like, <laughs> okay, well, here's just a pile of fabric today because that's yes. all I can show you. You know, I have to get Exactly. A finished quilt every day. So, <laughs> and then I think um, kind of my anecdote for helping myself not compare and to be okay is having gratitude. And I think if you have gratitude, then you it totally discounts that inclination to compare yourself because suddenly you're not criticizing yourself. You're thinking positively. Your self doubt goes away. Negative self talk. All that. When you start looking at, you know, things that you've been blessed with or, you know, just 
simple life pleasures that you you have. And I think when we focus on that, then we really do find find joy. Yeah, and, and then and you I have think, the strength to look at Instagram still. <laughs> right, you have the strength. Yes, I can do it. That's like, <laughs> go on Pinterest. <laughs> but I love Instagram. It's so fun. And I've met so just, many friends. Um, making, com- you know, like telling other people you admire their work. That yeah, totally. I think is part of being grateful and having gratitude, you know, is to, and, and just joining in. Like if I do a tour thing where a bunch of us are working on a project and we're all sharing, I try whenever I can to go out and tell the other people on it that I love their work and, you know, don't always get to do it, but I try, you know, it's, it's yeah. one of those, yeah, I, I like how you think about it. And I love how, when you share everything, um, you know, you do it in such a wonderful fun way uh i always want to make everything you've done by the way it's like <laughs> oh that's so sweet <laughs> i'm looking at your sizzix jar the little canning jar oh that you yes did for the sizzix um company with the die cutting and i yes. have one of those machines now and it's also would... it's really a cat toy at our house you knew that right oh the sizzix machine is the cat toy that can be used for quilting Yes. Well, that's, it's multi-purpose. I didn't yes. know that. Yes. <laughs> well, you also have amazing decorating. So I'm like always coveting your backgrounds. I'm like, okay, what has she got in the background there of that one? That's oh, well, really today good. it's funny. I just finished the silver wall. I bought this truckload of silver when I was in Virginia at this thrift store and I got it for 40 bucks. And of course I had to get it home on the airplane. And so I was laying it out on the floor like I was going to hang it on the wall. And my husband walked in, and he's like, what's that? And I'm like, it's silver. I got it. You know, I told him all about it. I'm like, I'm going to hang it on the wall. And he's like, you're going to hang it on the wall? And then he looked like he was going to throw up. <laughs> and then he left for the weekend, and so I hung it up on the wall. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So. You cracked me up. Okay. So anyway. I – uh I need a tip from you. We talked about um, some different things, and you have uh, some ways that you talk about that you deal with seams. Can you? Can you? Um, yes, dealing with seams, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, how do we deal with seams? Those ones that you got um, better at from your first class. <laughs> yes. Yes. For sure. I think you know. Of course, everyone can cut perfect. It's a grid. It's not rocket science. But pressing, I think, sometimes, especially beginners. They underestimate the power of the press mm-hmm. <laughs> in quilting. Mm-hmm. Um, so my rule is I always press to the dark side if it's larger pieces. And then when you get into smaller pieces and triangles, then I do press open. But I press it to one side first and then press open, and it just helps that first seam to kind of lay flat. Oh. And then oh. sometimes I'll put a stack of books or something heavy on top of my little stack as it dries mm-hmm. to just um, – help it stay smooth. So, so you actually will press it one way and then press it the way that then press it then open? Then press it open. Mm-hmm. Oh. So then it kind of, it'll, the one side will lay and then that way the other side, you know how sometimes you're trying to burn your fingers as your mm. pressing seams open? Yeah. Because you're holding it. So that kind of helps it just naturally come apart. So. Ah, to see, there's. Oh, I learn something new every single time I do. Well, this I hope show. it works. <laughs> I do it, but maybe I'm just, you know, who knows? You sew by yourself and with your cat. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how great my tips are. <laughs> <laughs> They're wonderful. So you also told me, which 
you know, that you do a lot of projects at the same time. I do. I think I've developed ADHD as a grown-up because I have 10 projects at all times going at once. And um, I love, I painted every room in my house three times over the last 13 years by myself. I love to paint. It just makes me happy, but not as happy as sewing. So I always have a sewing, 10 sewing projects going and painting. And then I usually bake every day cookies or cakes or rolls or I, I'm a baker. I just, I love to bake. So at one time I was at the ironing board pressing something and in my hand was a wet paintbrush and a beater with frosting. And I was going to take a picture of it, but I didn't have any more hands for the camera. So I was like, this is, something's wrong with my life. What's going on here? So So how do you keep track of that when you're painting, cooking, and sewing at the same time? Well, you know, you, it's easy because you end up tripping on whatever you always, you don't forget about it because it's there in plain sight. So, but I do end up finishing all my projects. I'm a good finisher. So it'll all get done. It just looks like a train wreck in the process. But that's how I work. I like to have it all going at once. So. Well, I think that that you you have a very high energy level. I I do have a lot of energy. And I I think I get that from my mom. But (laughs) he's got a lot of energy. How about you? Well, I I will do multiple projects, but not the... Not the, I will maybe cook at the same time, but not the painting too. It's like, I can't concentrate that much. It's like, no, no, if I'm painting, I'm not doing that other stuff. We're ordering out. That's like. That's funny. No, I know that's, it's true. It's hard to keep it all going. And then the kids, you know, you're trying to keep track of all that. So I do have three kids. So. They'll keep you busy. So give me one last thing. Uh, Do you like to use scraps? You know what? I do like, I do save my scraps. And then sometimes I think, why am I saving my scraps? Because I'm not <laughs> using them. Because new fabric's always so much more fun than your old mm-hmm. fabric, right? But I it do, is. I save my, <laughs> right? I'm not getting out that old stuff. Yeah. It's a pretty new thing. Um, but I keep my scraps. If it's a collection, like I've cut up a layer cake or whatever, and I have mm-hmm. scraps, then I keep it in that collection. Because if I'm going to make a zipper pouch, then I can just grab that collection and make something small. I know I'm probably supposed to store them by color, but I like them in their little collections. Wow. So. Hey, it works. I think it works. <laughs> you know, and we all labels. come up with that uh, way that works for us. Well, Amanda, this has been so much fun. Thank you for doing this. Oh, well, you're welcome. This has been so fun. And Mufasa's been here the whole time sleeping. He, he wanted oh. his turn. <laughs> <laughs> you cracked me up. Visit Amanda at JediCraftGirl.com and follow her on Instagram. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at Facebook.com backslash APQ Magazine. See our editors share their tips, ideas, and techniques by visiting AllPeopleQuilt.com and clicking on Videos. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine.
Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and I wanted to tell you to check on the Moto website because at the blog.motofabrics.com, they've got a couple of really interesting articles. One is on the International Quilt Study Center and how um, Mr. Dunn of Moda is doing his um, newest collection for a cause uh, with the museum. And the other is that there's an incredible, fun story about the nine patch quilt that um, that is part of the of book of all different kinds of nine patches and it's a gorgeous gorgeous quilt that is taken from an antique so be sure to check those out now the last uh, guest today is Andy Knowlton, and she is from A Bright Corner, which is where she writes and designs and has a lot of fun. And, you know, it's been really great to look around uh, for the show and gather up some people that, you know, I haven't talked to before. These are all, all new for the show. So, Andy, thanks for being here. We Just checking on... So I'm going to keep going here for a second. We're trying to get hold of Andy. And uh, we go out to Andy's site, brightcorner.com. She has done a lot of different writing for, um, you know, tips and things like that. She's calling back in here in a second, so she'll be right back. One of the things she's got out on her August 12th uh, posting is she does these sort of roundups of tips, and she's got five Friday favorites, the free motion quilting designs. And, you know, we all like to be able to do our own um, our own quilting. And when you get to see somebody's projects and get to see them, you know, to show you up close photos is always really good tips. So, hi, Andy. Thanks for being here. Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. So, tell me a little bit about um, how, why you started writing down about your quilting. Why did you start sharing that? Um, I would say two reasons. First of all, I was a mom with young kids and kind of isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, and right back then, the quilting and blogging community was kind of growing, and so it was fun to reach out and make friends and kind of feel like you're part of a community. And I also wanted a way to kind of document what I was doing and save it for my own reference so I could remember, <laughs> like, the name of a fabric line or the name of a pattern that I used because mm-hmm. otherwise I wouldn't. I'm not good at labeling my quilts, and it was just almost like a way to journal my quilts. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, why did you call it a bright corner? <laughs> you know, it's... It's not like metaphorical or deep or anything. I just literally, I sew in a very bright corner. It's a corner of uh, the room that I sew in, and it gets like full afternoon sun, and it comes blazing in like the spotlight, and it's lovely natural light, and I I love it. It's my happy place. So I'm literally in the corner of a very bright room. I, I, it just makes me giggle. You know, it's like this is just how quilters think, right? It's like, hey, here's where I work. I'm just going to name right. it like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> do, do you have any, when you do your quilt, when you're documenting, you have a great page called Completed Quilts. And I tell you, I am massively envious that you did that because I've never really <laughs> tracked them that well. And every time I go to somebody's site like yours, I'm like, oh, darn, she's so smart. She did this years <laughs> ago. <laughs> um, do, you, do you have a running count also? 
Um, just kind of in my head. Like, I think I have maybe about 110 or so on my blog, but I think, you know, there's a lot that are, aren't, aren't on there for one reason or another. So I, I bet there's, I probably made maybe 150 or 160. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have 150 quilts in my house. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I have a lot in my closet, but, and we don't go cold at night, but there's a lot that I gave away or I've made for family members and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that, uh, it's always amazing when when any of us look back, right, to see like how many quilts you've actually made. Right. It, yeah. Like adds up, adds up quickly. Uh, have <laughs> you found your style changing tremendously since you started? Um, you know, I've always liked scrappy quilting, um, but mm-hmm. I think what's changed over the years is that when I started, I had young kids, and so speed was important. So whatever I could get done really quickly, that's kind of the projects that I would do. But now um, I kind of take more time, and I like the process of quilting, and um, I take time choosing the fabrics, and I hand bind a lot, and, you know, things like that. It's more the speed than the style that's changed through the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, and I, I like because I'm looking at them, and if you go to that page, you can really see how um, – you like your color palettes pretty, you know, it's, it all yeah. looks like you, you know, it's not like. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. Except for maybe the ones you had to made for like Uncle Joe, who had to have something <laughs> different, right? That's like. <laughs> right. It's always those, yeah. the rare ones. The one yeah. with the deer fabric, it's not on there. That's like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're talking scraps this month. Um, what, how do you deal with it? Because you're, you quite, you know, you make a lot of things and you like to write about it and you design. But what do you do with um, the scraps? How do you handle it? Uh, you know, I, uh, for storing, I store anything that's smaller than a fat quarter. I have a whole bunch of bins. I have maybe eight or ten different bins and they're all sorted by color. So one for all the reds, one for the oranges and yellows and, and so on. And, and they, get, they get stored in there. And then when it's time to, for me to do a scrap quilt, I'll go and I'll literally dump the bin out on my floor and just dig through it and make a big mess and have fun doing it and find, you know, what I want to use for that project. Um, and then it's pretty easy to, to clean up and to just stuff it all back in the bin and snap the lid on and put it back on the shelf. So it works well for me in the storage space that I have available in my closet. Um, and then as far as, like, choosing the scraps, I usually start with, I kind of know like one color that I want to start with, like a, the, for instance, like a red. And I'll mm-hmm. choose a lot of reds that are very, very similar. And then as I add that pile of scraps, I'll start to add in variations of it, like orangey reds or pinkish reds, reds with maybe more white in them. And then I, until I have a nice variety that I want to use, mm-hmm. and then I'll move on to the second color, like a blue, or if I want to use like a green with a red or whatever. So it's kind of a... It's a slower process than what I used to do for my scraps, but it works for me and my style. I like that idea because it gives you, it sounds like it gives you a little bit more focus on pulling them together. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because you're pulling just the colors that are similar and then you're adding like another group that's a slight variation and another group of a slight variation. And you do all that with one color before you move to the next one. That's pretty neat. I'm, I don't uh, know I have enough scraps for that because I don't keep them all. <laughs> Ooh, I know. 
true confessions. I have to give, so I don't have space for them. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody's different. I happen to have a nice long shelf where they all fit, but I didn't used to. I used to just have like a Ziploc with some straps in it. So, you know, you'll get there, Pat. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I have like this little stack of shoe boxes, you know, like the clear ones. That's where yeah. I keep. And and they they multiple they fill up quick and then I have to be like ah what do I do <laughs> um, so I let's I want to talk about your curved um, your quilt with that you did with the look like teardrops the raindrops um, because yeah. you did curve piecing and the whole thing is so brilliant uh, and beautifully done um, tell me about working with the curves so yeah I um. A few years ago, I just kind of decided that I wasn't going to be intimidated by curve piecing. <laughs> so I found a way to work with it that works for me. Um, when you're sewing straight lines, you, you can line up your pieces and you just sew fast like crazy down there. And you can line up your pieces like several inches, you know, away from your presser foot. But with curve piecing, what I found that works for me is, you know, you have a convex curve and a concave curve and you have to make them fit together somehow. So I I pin at the beginning of my seam and at the end, Mm -hmm. and then um, I just start sewing. But I only, I kind of, you have to change how you're thinking about it. I only let my brain worry about about a half an inch of what's in front of my pressure foot. I don't worry about the rest of it. It'll it'll work out. Mm -hmm. It'll match up. So just worry about that little bit that's right in front of it. Use something sharp. You don't want your fingers right there in front of the pressure foot. That's a bad idea. So I use a pair of tweezers or a needle. Um, just to kind of line up those fabrics that are right in front of the presser foot as I sew. And as I go, it just it kind of lines up beautifully, and it, it matches up by the end of the seam. If it's a longer seam, sometimes I'll pin maybe in the middle of it as well just to help that along. But it works. I actually There's a video tutorial on my blog because I, I, I learn best by watching someone else do it, and I teach best mm-hmm. by showing instead of telling or using photos. So there's a there's a video of me actually sewing a curved seam the way I do it. So it, it works. Now, when you are you using, like, an edge foot to do that? Are you finding that helpful or any other thing, like, to line up on your machine? Or, you know, or you just are doing a quarter inch like you normally do? I've done it with just my normal quarter-inch foot. My Juicy machine did come with a foot that has an edge on it, and it's a little more generous than a quarter-inch, but that's mm-hmm. what I keep on my machine, and so I'm kind of used to where the quarter-inch is with that mm-hmm. foot. So I mm-hmm. do use that, and it does help speed it up, but you don't necessarily have to have that edge foot. Okay. All right. So when um, when you did these uh, raindrops, are they raindrops or teardrops? Are they raindrops? You know, when I first, I, I think I called it both on my blog post. I think it ended okay. up with raindrops because it's sad to call a baby quilt teardrops. That's just, that's oh, that's, oh, so yeah, it's that raindrops. Is. Yeah, okay, raindrops. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's made with three um, pretty traditional drunkard's path blocks, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, um, and- so I, I used um, actually the lock lock ruler just to show how you could use that. And, and, and it's pretty handy, but you could use it with any drunkard's pass block. The block block's nice because you can you use it to cut the fabric out, and then you also use it to square up the curved piece block. Um, ah. But you can use it with any drunkard's pass block. So there's three curved pieces, and then the fourth piece to that block is just a square mm-hmm. with, like, some background border on it. 
kind of hard to describe, but it went together really fast. Well, I think it's pretty, um, it's pretty neat, uh, you know, that it's, it's tidy and, um, it actually, would you think that like, if you start making a lot of these that you do get, uh, a lot better as you go just to do the repeat? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. My first few were pretty rough and not so pretty, <laughs> but yeah, now I'm, I'm faster and I mean, I still slip up and I have some ugly blocks here and there and then. You know, I, I, it's fine. We all make mistakes. That's what the seam rippers for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found that when I did a New York beauty quilt. Like, the, like as I went along, you get you get it, yeah. you know, and then you kind of get in zone. So, like, just making one is sometimes feels more awkward than if you're making 20 of them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So true. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. This no. <laughs> no. <laughs> So what are you working on right now? You know, we have, you know, about a minute. What kind of project is is exciting you to work on? <laughs> I am just right at the very end of an English paper piecing project that I've been working on with a bunch of red scraps. And they're all, it, it's called penta rings. So they're all, it's a pentagon that you sew it into a ring. And then I applique that onto a gray background square. So I just have maybe five more blocks to finish. And then I'm ready to sew that into a quilt top and, that one's been fun because I've been able to uh, sort of reduce how many red scraps I have in my bin. It's still unbelievably full, even though I have, like, this whole red quilt top that I've made. So I don't know how that happens, but it, it's about done, and I'm really excited about that one. That's been oh. a fun one to work on. Andy, thank you so much for being here and sharing you, with Pat. me. <laughs> Thank and everybody goes fun. to visit Andy at abrightcorner.com. Um, I really loved... Uh, hearing all your stories thank you thanks pat come back next week with an all new show Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening.